And we're looking at this whole theme of John 6, which is about what? What's the main theme that we've been diving into in relation to John 6? I heard it on my left-hand side. All right, there you go, Cena, that Jesus Christ is to be the source of our life. We've said, yes, he is our resource, but he has to be the source of our lives. And Jesus said, if you want me as the source of your life, you have to believe in me. And it's also believe in what he says. So we have to be fully convinced of who he is and fully convinced of everything he says. How many of us experienced in our lives, he says things that you don't necessarily believe? He confronts you in a reality and puts his fingers on things, and you go, well, I don't know if that's true. No one? Just me? Okay, yeah. (laughs) There should be things that you're confronted with in your life, because I don't know all things. And he wants me to know all things. He wants me to lead me into all things. And so he says, Greg, I came that you would have the fullness of life within you and then through you so then you can be an ambassador from another place like I was. But for that to happen, there's a process in place called belief. And God wants to give me the fullest, richest life while I'm here. It will come with trials. It will come with tribulations. I didn't say a good life. I said the richest, fullest life, which will be full of the substance of Christ, which is the eternal life, which is what we're going to look at today, that he promised people. He said, my people, why do you work for food that continues to perish in your hand? Why don't you stop that and start working for food that lasts and endures for an eternal life, which is not eternity. It is my life in you now while you have time to breathe on earth, and it lasts for eternity because it's eternal. It's the greatest offer we can know, but somehow we go, yes, 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 in our heads, and then we continue to work for food that's perishing. And we wonder why things don't go the way they go when the Bible speaks of reality, and then we can get very disappointed with that, can't we? And so there's a process and there's this whole reality that we have to come into that God knows that he's desperate to bring us into, but he does everything from rest. And we are looking at this and John 1, uh, sorry, John 6, 1 to 26 is half of the story. And then 27 to about 60 is the other half of the story. And so we're finishing uh, the last part today of the first part, and then we're getting into the second part. And so if you come with me to verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Jesus, I love his words, truly, truly, I say to you, which means he knows something, doesn't he? He knows why they're seeking him. Now, in verse 2, it says, you seek me because of the signs I did. So he also knows that. He knows this massive group of people are seeking him because he has healed people. Cool. Then those same people want to make him king. We looked at that two weeks ago, did we not? But it's from an impure motive. They want to make him king so he can destroy the Romans, basically. So he sees their motive. The Bible says he perceives their hearts and he legs it. 
Because he doesn't want them in that state, in that heart state, because they are purely coming for selfish motives. And then he says, okay, now it's not about the signs. It's not about kingship. Now you're seeking me because you want to have this food. And I fed the the 15,000, so now it's because you actually have had your fill. So he sees every motive of our heart all the times, every second of the day. Like what Chris said, he knows exactly why we do what we do, even when it is evil and demonic, meaning selfish, and he still loves us. Like he loved these people because he's desperately trying to get them from one reality into another. He's trying to draw them from themselves in what he does to really himself. See, the crowd always hang out on the outer looking for things for themselves. And God says, come from the outer to the inner because what you're really looking for, you won't find on the outer. You can only find it in me. Which means there's a challenge because there needs to be a releasing and an exchange of lordship. There needs to be a source exchange. There needs to be you are the little God of your life and I need to take that and I need to give you the big God of your life, me. And this is what he's saying here in the entirety of John 6. And you see half the story, they come to him and the other half, they start running away from him. You see, we come to him when we want stuff, but do we really want him? And he loves us. He'll give us what we want to bring us to a greater dimension. You see, we need to stop making the means an end and allow the means to lead us to the end. Otherwise, we will never experience this eternal life that Jesus describes we can know. So it's to our own detriment if we only come for physical needs and not our true need, which is a spiritual one. Every single human being, their issue is a spiritual one. It's not a physical one. The physical is just an expression of a greater lack. And when you get that spiritual need met, everything starts to shift in your life. And I mean everything, because the inner realm, Jesus said, Pharisees, religious ones, you polish your outside of your cups. But if you would allow me into the inner, which is dark, guess what? The outer will take care of itself. You won't try to be polishing the outer. The inner will polish the outer. But man, for that to happen, there's a relinquishing. It's called the control of one's life. I don't like that. What does that all look like? See, that requires trust. I like you there. Keep it there, Jesus. Just stay right here and we'll be good. Yeah, but Greg, if we keep it out here, you're never going to receive the life I have for you. I'll cover you. You'll be in the shade, but you'll never be actually part of the tree. So yes, you'll experience a measure of life in the shade. You won't get burnt from the sun, but you won't receive the life that's in the vine. And I gave you life to have life in the vine. For then you can walk in the manner in which I walk this earth. It's the only way you can do it, son. So to stay outside is to put your eternal life at risk. Not my love for you, your eternal life that I want you to know. 
And so he's saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. The motive for following him has changed. Jesus meets man's physical need to draw us to himself as a means to our greater need. We are not supposed to set up camp around the physical need. Jesus meets man's physical need, sickness, physical sickness. They were hungry, physical need. He met that to draw them to their true spiritual need. You understand? He's done the same with you and I. Why do we seek Jesus? Purely for meeting our physical needs? Is that why we seek the Christ? Have we too made Jesus, sorry, have we too, have we too made what Jesus considers his means our end? Have we too made what Jesus considers his means our end? They are seeking him for what he can do for them, not who he is or what he will do in them. So you can seek him for what he does for you, but do you just seek him for what he wants to do in you? Do you know your, you know the greatest enemy is your enemy? Your greatest enemy is your inner me. It's the way you think. It's your heart positions. The Bible says understanding starts in the heart. So if the heart is hardened, your greatest enemy is your enemy. Do you know if your inner realm starts to change, the adversary has zero hold over you? Zero. You take all his power away because he has nothing to play with. Jesus had nothing in him that the enemy could touch. And what we've done is we've made him the number one instead of the enemy being the number one. And so what you're able to do, when he starts to work on your inner realm, you just become like Jesus in Luke 4. So when the enemy throws a lie out, you know it's a lie because your enemy is transformed and you have the mind of Christ. Just like Jesus, you don't spend time doing all this spiritual warfare stuff. It's been done. You've won the victory. You just speak the word and then he has to leave. He will come back at another opportune time, like it says, but you are so full because you're in a realm, you've allowed him in. See, the problem is when we're just about signs and wonders and ministry and reaching the lost and all these things, when he turns up, we've got no in the game. We're scrambling, trying, oh, the quote in Luke 4, it says something or other, I don't really know. And he laughs because you know you don't know the word. See, he is the word. He is the power. He is the wisdom. He is the sword. So we need to know him, which means he has to come in. We have to let him. And there's a relinquishing of control. And this is what the John is all about. It really is. And then we see some people who walk away. The Bible says many of his disciples walked away from the true work that Jesus was actually wanting to do within them. And you and I can do exactly the same thing. All right. Jesus, knowing this, changes it up on them in verse 27. And this is where we start to see everything get really interesting 
and take on a whole new reality. Why? Because Jesus perceives all things, doesn't he? So he sees everything. He saw Peter's heart, didn't he? So you know when he puts a sword in Peter's hand? Do you think Jesus knows what he's doing? Do you think when he calls them into the garden, he knows they can't pray? Do you think he's leading them somewhere where they wouldn't go themselves? For the benefit of who? Him or them? Because he has to, and he's going to get Peter to be this man that he's going to use to see the kingdom built through, but something has to happen before that can happen, doesn't it? You see, Peter was one man who lived two lives. One man, two lives. The man finished well. But for the man to finish well, he had to go through what I'm sharing with you today, which in fact everyone has to go through, which is a transition, a relinquishing of the God of self and receiving the true God of life at the innermost being place which is hidden within you that you may not even know exists. And you may actually think today you've given your entire lives to God, and you may have, but you actually may not have. You may have given 99.9, and that point one is holding you back from what I'm talking about. Jesus knows, so seek and ask Him, and then just allow Him to show you, or even ask people that you trust who you know are living in something you might be not, and say, what do you see about my life? Do you think that Jesus has all of my heart? Now, ultimately, your life will tell you whether he does or not, but sometimes we can't see our own lives, so we need other people to help us see the reality of what is the truth. Because the Word also says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. And this is where humility is required. A humble heart, a teachable heart, not for the purpose of pulling down, for the purpose of building And so verse 27, let's go there. And there's three things I want to point out today. Verse 27, these are the words of Jesus. Do not work for food which perishes. Man, that's a very clear instruction, isn't it? Do not work for food which perishes. It's a command. But for the food which endures to eternal life. There's another instruction. So there's a food and a work that perishes, and there's a food and a work that endures to eternal life. There's two options on the table. There's two choices on the table. Which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father God has set his seal. Who gives the food? Who gives the food that perishes? Man, the world, the earth. Who gives the food that endures to eternal life? Do you think the world's systems can understand the food that Jesus gives without Jesus? I've all heard you say no. How many of us are still trying? How many of you just got convicted by your own no? You just told me that the world's systems, the ways of man's learning, cannot come into life of the kingdom, period. So if you're still trying, you're slightly in a contradiction to yourself, aren't you? Do you know you can know that in your head, but your heart can actually live something out? That's how crazy this spiritual thing is. 
We can say, yeah, 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 and then live 100% the opposite way to what we just said, yes. <laughs> Why is that, Lord? Because there's a something in us that's still living, and sometimes you can't even know it's even there, but it's called sin. It's called this flesh. It's this thing that Jesus died for the power of it. He died for the nature of it, but it's still a soul realm that's living. It's still a mind that's not renewed. It's still a will that's not fully surrendered, and it actually holds you. It's like demonic wisdom. It's like you don't have a demon in you, but because it's demonic wisdom, it actually holds you and says something, and it doesn't want to die. And it's like you have this wrestle going, I I want to do this, but this thing pulls you this way. But I want to do this, and this thing pulls you this way. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And you can't overcome it, can you? And the strong man will win, won't he? And you find yourself in that thing again, or making that decision, or bleh, over someone again. You go, oh, I'm so sorry. Why did I do that? Again for the 50th time. Because you need to get this word in you, Jesus needs to do a work in you, and the sword needs to come and literally pierce and release you from it. And it's literally like when Jesus turned up and demons were in people, what did they do? Ah! And that's what can it be like with us when we're still living from the soul and Jesus turns up, it's ah, get away. No, I need to get in. No, get away. Come here. Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, who are yet experiencing a life within you. But Lord, I cast out demons, and Lord, I heal the sick, and Lord, I preach the gospel. He says, yeah, come to me and receive rest, because I see it all, and I know you're not in rest even though you're in works. Now, you can be in rest and incredible works, and that is the goal. But until that happens, there's got to be a transaction of lordship and spiritship. And this is what Jesus is leading all these people to. He meets them in their physical need. He heals the sick. He then says, come, I'll put bread on your table because I see your physical need. But it's all for the purpose of you coming to me for me to do a deep work. I want you to know and live from me being your source, no longer your resource that you tap into for stuff. And the cool thing about God is He will let you live like that your entire life. He gives us the choice. You choose whether you want this or not. He's going, I want to do it. It's just whether we want Him to do it in us. And so he says, guys, stop working for food that perishes. What color is that banana? Black, brown, it's squishy, it's going off. It, bananas last about two or three days before this happens, don't they? See, this is food that perishes. This lasts about a week. Anything that's of man is perishing. Any work of man, any food source of man, it's perishing, guys. It's like hanging on to this, thinking this is going to bring me eternal life. It will go yellow again. It will go yellow again. Just give it time. Give it time. No, it's going browner and browner and stinkier and smellier. And if you let it out, all of a sudden the insects come and they find it too, don't they? 
and it's now rotting. Anything of earth that you're eating, thinking it's going to bring you eternal life, it's rotting. It's going to kill you. But it promises it will bring you life. It promises you so much, but it leaves you empty. And it gives you life for a period of time, doesn't it? We look, and it gives us life for a few months, maybe a year or two. Then all of a sudden, that day arrives when you wake up, and you're back in the same place you were. The only problem is five years have gone by. And you're five years older than what you were. And it's not so much of a waste of time because now you know that doesn't cut it. So God uses everything and allows everything to awaken us so we can have a reality in us that has us overcoming. It's incredible. It's eternal. And he's telling you, stop working for bananas Stop trying to study your way into me. Stop trying to intellectualize me. Stop trying to force and learn and understand all this stuff because it's getting you nowhere. You can't understand me at all. But you can believe in me through hearing me and going yes and amen and then asking me to do a work within you so all of a sudden you're a receiver of the word. And the Word is doing the work, no longer me. I'm no longer working for food that's perishing. That's tiring, worrying. It's anxiousness, isn't it? And it keeps us in bondage. Jesus sees. He knows where you're at. He knows your struggles. And He wants to come and help you. He wants to come and rescue you from you and me. He wants to bless us with a life that we have predestined for. But it requires a choice. It's not just automatic. The works and the food are connected. Human works produce human food, which produces a temporal life. A temporal life is a perishing life. It's a life that is here today, but gone tomorrow. It's an earthly life living off earthly food, and its lifespan on average is 80 years. All our self-efforts to bring us into this life doesn't cut it. Human works produce human food, which produces a human life, and that's perishing. So he is saying to these people and to you and I today, stop. Can you hear the stop? Do you want me to show you what a stop, hearing a stop looks like? Your heart is arrested right now. It's like, and you're held by power. And you know right now you're about to change because he shows you a reality of how you've been walking. And you go, Why would I be walking that way? Because I see there's no life associated with it. He goes, good, now your eyes are open. You see, hearing the word stops you in your tracks. It grabs you 
It's that powerful. Chris did not talk about money when he talked. If you think Chris talked about money, you didn't hear what Chris said at all. You see, the word comes and it grabs you. And it's aggressive in love. So hear me, it's aggressive in love and it holds and you really can't move. And then it starts to show you a reality that now you can live out. So this is what it means to hear a word that starts to perform a work in you, that starts to change you. You're not doing the work. The word is doing the work in you. And you're awakened to a reality going, what just happened? I'm sitting there at the rock. This guy's talking and boom, stop. My eyes are open. I can see. Why was I eating bananas thinking that was going to cut it, Lord? He says, son, you've been blind and deaf to the reality that's been going out. But today is the day of salvation. The day is the day you heard a word that you didn't stop. You believed in and not unbelief was present. Thank you. (laughs) And then you start telling everybody. Hey, guess what? Guess what happened to me? Guess what happened to me? Isn't that what happened to everyone that got touched by Jesus? Jesus had to tell them all to be quiet. Not yet. The time's not now. You're going to mess it all up. (laughs) Stop. The Holy Spirit today would say, stop working for food that perishes. You're working. Stop. And the food, stop. The food is an outcome of the work. Stop. Because you can't fit what I want to give you in while you're still trying to eat the other. You've got to put down one and pick up the other. Are you with me? All right. What we have to do is this. We go to amazing lengths to get what we want, don't we? Let's be honest. What we want, we go to amazing lengths to get. We will sacrifice. We will put things down the order. Time, resource, all those things, our lives, we will lay down for what we really, really want. What you really love, you will go after. And what he's just telling me right now to tell you is you need to take that and flip it and put it all towards him. Because you get what you want, don't you? And so you'll get what you want if you flip it and actually direct all that passion, love, and energy towards him. And he's just waiting to see a wholehearted heart that wants it that bad. That's that desperate because it's hearing a word and a life that's on offer today which would trump and enable you to walk literally the way Jesus walked. It's too good to be true almost. So why do we continue to do works for a food source that is perishing and doesn't produce an eternal life? Because we don't yet know Jesus is our source. He's only our resource. So, Lord, we come to you when we're in need. He loves us. He will help us. But he wants to take you beyond that point to the source. 
He wants to literally be your world, your oxygen, your food, your water, your clothing, your provider. We say it, he's my this, he's my that, and then we actually live from our source, which is us. So I hope that encourages you. It's to build you up. There's three things these works are broken into. First one, signs and wonders, miracles. See, they don't produce an eternal life. You can run around and heal people and not be changed on the inside at all, can't you? It starts a life in someone else. Someone can be set free, broken arm, something, but it doesn't necessarily produce an eternal life. It just, Jesus heals someone. Plenty of people got healed and then left him. Plenty of people in the world get raised from the dead and then don't follow Jesus. So working for miracles doesn't produce an inner eternal life. I love them. They're awesome when they're spirit-led and empowered by him, and he's sending me to lay hands, not me just running around trying to do it all. But they don't produce an eternal life. And Jesus said, work for food that produces an eternal life. They're of me, but they don't produce life in you that I want to produce in you. Okay? So that's all the things we do. Feeding the poor is the same. He fed people. Why is it that Jesus heals these people, he feeds them, and you're about to read as we go, many left him? Why? If all this produces an eternal life, then why aren't they going, you're the man, you're the man. It doesn't matter what you say, we don't understand it. I don't understand it, but I know you're the man who's going to produce eternal life. So why are people walking away from the guy that's promising eternal life? Because miracles and works don't produce eternal life. They're still good, they're still of Him, but they don't produce an eternal life, only Jesus does in you, through His Word. And that's the very thing He's tried to lead them into, because He's saying, hey guys, I'm the bread of life. But He uses this analogy of feeding natural food, so they've got a reference point for what it's like when you eat the Word of God. So you know how when you eat natural food, you get full? That's the same reference point for eating the Word of God. You get full. So just like now, you might be hungry, and when you're about to partake, you will be full, won't you? And in about three hours, you'll need more food, won't you? See how it perishes? But the Word of God, it feels exactly the same in you. You're full. And it lasts and lasts, and it goes from strength to strength to strength to strength to strength, strength, and it never runs out. So the food I had 10 years ago has never left. It's as present as it was 10 years ago, but he has added that word upon word, upon a word, upon a word, upon a word, upon a word, because that's what he says happens. So he gives us the physical as a means, as a reference. It's not it, but it's to help us understand a reality that's in a hidden realm that the Holy Spirit needs to reveal. Can you hear what I'm saying? There is an absolute reference point you can know from receiving what I'm talking about that gives you the evidence that I'm eating the Word, and the Word is changing me. I find I have an ability to live a type of life and a kind of life that I couldn't before. And that's how you know you're partaking of Christ. It's amazing. So I'm all for, please do not hear me, I am all for signs and wonders, I am all for works, when they are led and empowered by the Spirit, but I do know they don't produce eternal life. It's the Word that does that. Mark 6.52, I love this, for they had not gained any insight of the loaves, 
but their heart was hardened. So it's another story. When he fed the 5,000, 15,000, the disciples never gained any insight. They never started seeing the way they were supposed to see. Insight. Oh, I don't know what that was about. Do you know what that was about? No, not really. Some guys got fed. No, he was trying to lead you to a greater reality, and they're not even getting it, and they walk with him as close as this. Because it doesn't matter. Externally, doesn't matter how close you walk to people. It's an internal reality. You can polish the outer, but the inner starts to get changed. That's the goal of Christianity. Works are always second. We've made them first. Verse 27, the next part. Do not work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life. This is what we're supposed to be working for. You say, Greg, I didn't think we're supposed to work. No. There's a work and a work, and there's a food and a food. And there's a life and a life. So there is a kind of work that produces a kind of food which produces a kind of life. And there is a kind of a work that produces a kind of a food that produces a kind of life. Demonic, meaning from the kingdom of darkness, and kingdom of light. And we have to ask ourselves, which life are we in? Because depending on the work and the food, it's going to determine the life. Tracking? So he's saying you've got to stop from that, transition over to this. Hear the relinquishing? You've got to put down that, which is you controlling how this all happens. Let go, turn, and walk into scary land. Walk into the unknown. It's okay because my spirit lives within you and my spirit's going to guide you because that's what I say is going to happen. Truly, truly, I'll say to you this. My spirit is in you. My spirit will guide you. Do you believe what I say? Are you going to take the trust, not faith because you don't have faith yet. That's why you're struggling. Trust me to walk in this, to then have faith to see it. And don't be like the disciples who had no insight through me feeding because they couldn't hear what I was saying. But Lord, yep. But, 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 yep. I've heard it all before, Greg. I've heard every but on earth. Doesn't matter. It's my way or no way. I will love you. You can stay in eternal food. Sorry, you can stay in uh, temporal work, temporal food, temporal life. I still love you. You'll be with me, but I died for much more. You choose my people, he says. So it's another instruction, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we take his instructions as optional. Ah, you ever feel like it? I'll pray about it. Well, the life comes from obedience to the instruction. So if I'm only flirting with him, then I'm not going to get much of a life, am I? So obedience to what is said is the absolute key to the life he promises you. You can't go, I want this and I want it this way and expect the life that he says. It's his way or literally no way. But once again, he still loves us. So that's what he's doing. He's coming. He said, yep, I've healed you of sickness. That's a means to a greater reality. Yes, I put food on your table. That's a means to a greater reality. Now, hear 
this word. Stop doing what you're doing. If you want this. You see, we get lost in the miracle. And we not to learn the point of the miracle. And then what we do is we set up camps around the miracle. So we set up food parcels. And we feed people. Is it of him? Yes, when it's spirit-led. Is it going to bring us into eternal life? No. Is it going to bring those people into eternal life? No, it's going to feed their belly, which is good, but it's a means towards a greater reality. Peter did it. Hey, man, let's make some three tents here. While Peter was talking, blah, 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 God went, hey, be quiet, listen to this. Newsflash, boop, boop, boop. See? Listen to the boy. In some versions, he was so afraid when he saw, his response was just to talk. What do you do? No, no, talk, okay. He says, no, no, hear what I'm saying. Hear what he's saying to you today. To continue to live in an operating system and expect a different result is insane. And he is so passionate that you don't live an insane life. Listen to Psalm 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The word of God is perfect, restoring the heart, the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Matthew 4.4. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Do you know when that was written? Before anything began. So there's another instruction before anything began, it was written. It came out of God's heart through the prophets way back in Deuteronomy. But before it was written in Deuteronomy, it was already written because everything was finished before the foundation of the earth. So you can see God's intent for you and I right from the beginning of earth before earth even exists. He says, why are you working for food that's perishing? It is written... You can only live on this word that's of the Spirit that comes forth from the Spirit, which is not of earth. So Jesus has to turn up 4,000 years later and remind the Jews of something that was written before any person was even alive. See how far we've got it wrong? Jesus has to turn up and goes, Nicodemus, you're the teacher? Oh my goodness, you don't understand what it means to be born again? Oh, you're thinking about going back into your mother's tummy. Man, Lord, we're in trouble here, Father. That's why he had to send the A-team. Jesus himself had to come and come in the form of a man to show man what's possible when we are surrendered in love, from love, and hear and do what he says. You and I will never live this life out, Christian life, if we're not eating the food source. Bananas won't help me love you guys like Jesus loves you. I have a banana on my porridge every day. I love bananas. I'm a little bit of a monkey, a little bit cheeky. But guys, they won't help me love you. They won't help me love two screaming young girls that went to see Shawn Mendes last night and everything was amazing. Oh, he's so good looking, Dad. He's gorgeous. Oh, he's got more hair than you. He said he should have, he's 21, and I'm a 50-something, to 50. <laughs> but falling in love with Shawn Mendes ain't going to cut it. 
That's not going to do it. That's all perishing. When we look to man, it's perishing. He says, look to me. Why are you looking at your wife for life? It's failing straight away. You're just starting to fail. You're on the slippery slope. When you look to your wife, your children, any human being, the world for life, you are already starting to go down. And that becomes our natural. Because that's what the world says you're supposed to do. But the God of the world says, no, stop. He comes with a stop sign, stands in front of you and says, today is the day that I'm asking you to stop. Stop working for food that perishes. Come to me. Third point, it's the Son of Man who gives us this food. It's in red for a reason. I'm the one. Come to me. The thing you've been looking for, you cannot find it in the acquiring through the human brain of learning. It doesn't cut it. You can learn facts, principles, history, theory, but it won't birth resurrected life. You're eating from the wrong tree. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which root system are dead. It looks good. It looks promising. It looks like it's going to draw you in. Man, the apples on that tree shiny and they taste good, but it's actually deceiving you. And you'll go to live and you'll find you're short of being able to demonstrate the reality of something. It's the wrong tree, but it looks attractive. But it's the tree of who? Life, which is the tree of what? Reason or revelation? Revelation, because on the revelation of the tree of life, Jesus Christ, I give eternal life. The rich young ruler said, how do I, how do I, works, stop working for works, rich young ruler, how do I inherit eternal life? He said, keep the commandment. He said, but I've done them. He said, no, you haven't even started. See, there is a work and a work. Paul said, work out your salvation. See, we need to know what, when he says work at yourself, what he's talking about. Others, we just go off and do a natural work and still wonder why it doesn't work and they go, you told me to do works. It's allowing the work of God to do the work in you, which is a work of a spirit, which performs a supernatural work in you and you're the receiver of a work and then you can live from that place. Luke 24, 28 is a fantastic passage if you want to go and study that and have a look and see Jesus opening up himself through a loaf of bread. And they've got no idea who he is, but they're receiving a word that's got a life on it because he is the word and he's speaking the word, but they don't know who he is. Then the Bible says he breaks bread. Who is the bread of life? And he breaks himself open for us, doesn't he? So as he breaks this natural loaf of bread, their eyes get open and they go, Who's Who gave them the bread? Jesus. Who is the bread? Jesus. So we have to stop working for food that perishes and come to Jesus for food that will endure to eternal life. I need natural food to keep a natural body going. Sweet, cool. But greater than that, I need spiritual food to be able to live a spiritual life, an eternal life now. Amen.
so that's it for today. Um, oh, that's all right. I just pray. Lord, I, I thank you, God, that you are the giver of life. You are the source of life. And you love us and everyone here with such a passion that we would know you, the source of our life, and that you would be at the epicenter of us. And that can be scary because we want to stay in control. But you're the king, you're the boss, you're the father, and we're the sons. We're the daughters, we're the children. And so, Lord, today, if this has really spoken to our hearts, I pray that we would seek you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal in the depth of the Spirit what it is that you are tugging on our hearts, that we could see it, repent of it, and turn and just continue to walk fully and receive the fullness of you. Thank you, Lord, that you build us up. You don't tear us down. But you come to us and show us things that are holding us if those things are. So, Father, just bless the rest of the day. May we seek you with all we have to become and be and become the sons that all creation longs for. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Come out tonight and we continue on this whole thing about the gifts of the Spirit. Outside of that, have an awesome day. And we'll see you soon.